Hey guys, how's it going? Um, I hope you are doing well wherever you are listening from. I just wrapped up a really, really fun interview with a freelancer named Lori. I'll tell you about that in a second. Um, but it is wonderful right now. So it's about 7.30 in the morning. Um, I just did this recording while Errol is sleeping in the room next to me. I'm lucky. He's a good sleeper in the morning, um, and he does go pretty late for us. So I, I did this interview early. I've got the monitor right here next to me. Um, I just actually moved offices. I stole his room and put him in the less amazing room, and I'm looking out the window at this beautiful view. Um, just a random side story of setting the stage of where I'm at right now. But yeah, I just did this great interview with a freelancer named Lori, and you guys, her story is amazing and so fun and so inspiring. I'll just give you a quick preview and then we can dive into the interview. But Lori worked in corporate for many years in New York and beyond for big, big brands, Abercrombie, Tommy Hilfiger, and she worked her way up to head designer and she was really tied to her job, um, you know, many, many long hours in what she now calls air quotes stability but she's like it was it's false stability working in a job we talked a little bit about that but um, then she had a son and you guys this breaks my heart but she when she was working with her son would see him in the morning take him to daycare and then she wouldn't see him again until the next morning because he was in bed by the time she got home so she was only seeing him on the weekends and I mean it just like crushes me Um, and listen if that is your arrangement and that works for you no judgment I know everything, families work in very different ways, Um, so no judgment on your personal arrangement and what works for you with your family. Just for me personally, that wouldn't work either, and for Lori, it wasn't working. So she bailed on her corporate job, which felt like really scary and unsure of like, oh my gosh, what's going to happen? And she kick-started freelancing. She moved across the country. She and her husband moved to Nashville, Tennessee, and she started freelancing, and in two short years, she has gone from being in that 60-hour-a-week grind and only seeing her son for an hour in the morning to living in Nashville and not only as a freelancer, but she's like running a full freelance, uh, excuse me, fashion design agency where she has other freelancers that she subcontracts to to do the work and she's got tons of clients coming in. So really, really phenomenal growth in just two years through the pandemic, which is amazing. Um, so Lori's going to talk all about, you know, how she got her first clients, how she grew, um, some lessons she's learned on pricing, which I know is really tough, how she went from, uh, project-based pricing to raising her prices with existing clients to retainer pricing, um, really, really great takeaways from some of these conversations that she and I had about pricing. Um, and you guys out there listening, if you you know don't have industry experience yet and you're a budding designer, Lori loves hiring and working with people like you. And we talk about that at the end, about how there's opportunity for you to work with her or just work with other companies like her. So I, you're just going to love this interview. So many great, great things. Um, and I'm really, really excited to, to share more of these conversations about this true remote freelancing. I don't know if this is your first time listening, then... Um, you know, this was essentially my story. I was working in the industry and I hated it. I had my own fashion brand. I hated it. It was just like too much of the grind and no freedom and flexibility. And that was, this is how I built my career as a fashion freelancer. Um, and this is what this podcast is all about is helping you 
create the freedom and flexibility that you want in life as a fashion freelancer, a true remote fashion freelancer working with multiple clients where you set your own schedule. So Lori's story is going to be so inspiring to you and give you some great ideas and tips on how you can create that life for yourself. As always, you can scroll down and check out the show notes um, for any links that we reference. And I also want to share, as I do in every episode, uh, my free resources on freelancing. You can get those anytime at soheidi.com slash freelance, S-E-W-H-E-I-D-I.com slash freelance. Again, you can check those out in the show notes. And um, yeah, my best stuff, my best tips of you know how I grew my career over 10 years, earning upwards of $100,000, and all the stuff I've learned from interviewing people on the podcast, um, strategies to help you kickstart or grow freelancing. So definitely check those out. And uh, yeah, let's dive into the interview with Lori and so you can hear all the kick-ass stuff she's doing and how she got there. Hey, Lori, welcome to the Successful Fashion Freelancer Podcast. I'm so excited to hear your story. I've heard a tiny bit of it and it sounds really, really exciting and um, I can't wait to dig into everything you're doing as a freelancer. But first, can you please introduce yourself to everyone and let us know who you are and what you do in the fashion industry? Yeah, um, I am Lori Paradis. Um, I've been working in the design field for over, uh, I think, 12 years now. I stopped counting. <laughs> um, but yeah, and I am now uh, working for a lot of small startups um, and the, and doing like a freelance business. Okay. Wonderful. Um, so I want to start like before you started freelancing, um, cause you kind of have an interesting story in terms of like your transition from working in the industry as a full-time employee in a very corporate type of infrastructure to how you got to be a freelancer. So can you tell us a little bit about, um, you know, just, just a quick blip of your time in corporate. And then I want to specifically talk about, you know, what happened and why you decided to go freelance. Yeah. Uh, so I was, I spent my career in the corporate world. Um, so I started out at Abercrombie and Fitch. Um, I was working in intimates there on their Gilly Hicks line. Um, I was working at Soma intimates after that. Um, and then we moved to New York, my husband and I, and I, you know, I worked at Ralph Lauren, um, and then I, you know, finally left after I was the head designer for the Tommy Hilfinger Intimates collection. Okay. And so when did you leave and why did you leave? Uh, so I had a baby. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that was a huge life change, obviously. And uh, the main reason is I couldn't, I never saw him. Um, I would get him up in the morning, take him on a train to Hoboken for his daycare, um, and then he was always asleep by the time I got home at night. Uh, so I, I would see him mostly on the weekends, and that just was not enough for me. Um, wow. It was a big boost for us to make a drastic change in our lives. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I guess I don't know at what point you can't say you're a new mom because my son's now 16 months, but I still feel like a new mom. <laughs> And I just like can't imagine only seeing my son just for like a blip in the morning and then only on the weekends. Like when you yeah. were having a baby and, you know, starting your family, did you think about your schedule in conjunction with your workload and like think, oh, this is maybe what it's going to be like? 
Yeah, we had talked about it. Um, We had been wanting to get out of New York for a while. Um, The hours were just kind of insane. And, you know, we thought it would be good to hold on for a little bit longer because, again, I'm from the corporate world and that is kind of all I know. And it's kind of a security blanket. And for me, at least, you know, they 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 pay you a salary. Um, You you get health benefits and all of that. And I'm like, what do you do if you don't have that? Yeah, Um, I couldn't really think beyond that. So, you know, we thought maybe I held on for a couple more years after having baby. And, um, you know, if we could save up a little bit more money, maybe then we leave. Okay. And then I had baby and it just became immediately, you know, I was like, this, this This, isn't going to work. It's not working. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it's just like gut wrenching to literally think about only seeing your kid once a day and for like, you know, less than an hour, like not that much time. It's not quality time either. You're like getting them breakfast and like shuffling to them to daycare. It's not like, you're not like hanging out, getting to do fun stuff. Yeah. Yeah. It was purely just, you know, get them up, get them ready, get them out the door. Yeah. It was hard. Um, I had him up on my screen at work. Um, There was like a a video so you can like see your kid at all times at daycare. And so I I always had him up on one of my computer screens because I just couldn't, it was rough. Yeah. (laughs) That sounds really tough. Oh my gosh. Okay. So you're like doing the corporate grind but you're like, this is not working for my family life. Um, so had you like thought about freelancing? Did you really realize that was an option? I mean, you had, you commented that like, you know, corporate feels so secure, you have benefits and you have a salary and you have all this stuff. Um, so what were you thinking about at this point? Uh, so we knew that we wanted to move to Nashville. Okay. Um, and we had done this whole like study of where would we want to live, um, we visited a bunch of places. We had spreadsheets. We had, oh my gosh, all, you, know, you are my people. Spreadsheets. <laughs> and uh, we, we decided, you know, Nashville just felt like home, like yeah. this was it. Um, and obviously there's not like, I didn't have a job waiting for me here. There's not a big fashion presence as far as like corporate jobs go. Yeah. Um, I was going to be kind of SOL. And I honestly, for, truly just thought, you know, I'm going to have to transition to something else. Um, I, I didn't understand how freelance worked at all. And I was like, I, I don't see any, like, uh, any success in my career after this. It was almost like giving up my career. Oh, wow. And in a way that was heartbreaking too. And it was just, you know, this kind of inner turmoil and like fight. Okay. So then you're, you're thinking maybe I just walk away from my career and were you thinking like, I'll be a mom and which is an amazing, admirable and super hard job. We all know. Um, but you were just thinking, okay, I walk away from this career that I've done for a decade and you had built up a substantial career. I mean, you were head designer, you know, working with Tommy Hilfiger and Abercrombie, like working with these really big brands. Um, what were your thoughts on like walking away from that? I mean, to be honest, I was okay with that as long as I could spend time with baby. But mm-hmm. I also know that I am too much mom for one kid. <laughs> like it's too, it's a little bit too much. Um, and that I needed something like I, I needed that career part to kind of counterbalance it. Okay. You know, interesting. Um, um, so I, I wasn't sure how that was going to play out. I knew I was going to have 
some kind of um, a, of a job of some sort. I just didn't know how it was going to translate. Okay. And you were thinking like, okay, maybe it's not fashion because we're moving to Nashville and there's no industry there. And who knows about this like freelance thing if this is like really a legit option. Right, right. Okay. And, you know, as soon as we moved here, I was just kind of making contacts with, you know, the fashion hub that is here and trying to figure out what the space was as yeah. well. Okay. So um, when did you guys... But it was a lot of unknowns. Yeah. Okay. So your son was born in 2019. And then when did you... Like, how old was he when you were like, I can't do this daycare, only see him in the morning thing? Oh, uh, uh, that was pretty much right after I went back to work. After much that realization okay. hit. Yeah. Um, I think that first week was like the hardest, especially. Oh so yeah. we we were talked about like I was like I know we talked about a couple of years. I can't do this. Yeah. <laughs> so that was like when we started to like put things into action. Okay. Um, my husband talked to his boss, who he works for, you know, in the financial world, um, about going remote. Oh. Um, and we looked at places in Nashville. We started kind of making it happen. Okay. So like pretty instantly after you went back from maternity leave. Yeah. I, I was kind of expecting it during maternity leave. I'm like, I don't know how I'm going to give him up now. Yeah. Like there's no way I fell in love with this little guy. Like yeah. I can't not spend time with him. Like, yeah. what is this going to be? Oh my gosh. So we had an inkling and then I went back to work and it was like, yeah, this not is happening. solidified. I can't. Yeah. Yeah. So when, when did you quit and then actually move? So, um, I quit, I think in July and we moved to Nashville in the fall of 2019. Okay. And so um, he would have been like what, six or eight months about then? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. He was still a little guy. Okay. Um, but so you get, yeah. To, um, so, so sorry, go ahead. Oh, um, it was just right before the pandemic too. So that was kind of interesting. <laughs> we both transitioned to working remotely and we both transitioned away from Manhattan to Nashville. That was kind of a crazy moment. Yeah. It kind of worked out well for you guys though. I feel like. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. So you move and you're like exploring the local fashion scene. Are you, are you in your head? Are you thinking like, okay, I'm going to be a freelancer. I can make this happen. Like, and what did you know about freelancing in fashion, like true remote freelancing in fashion, um, as you were going into this? Absolutely nothing. Okay. Um, so all of my contacts, I have a lot of contacts in the industry, but they're all from the corporate world. Um, I had no idea how yeah. this whole thing worked. Yeah. So, um, I was just making contacts here, um, seeing what the scene was, like what kind of establishments, you know, um, there, there were here manufacturing and otherwise. And, um, and yeah, I just, I just started going out there looking for jobs that were remote as well uh, and seeing if they would want a freelancer to help them remotely. Okay. So, I mean, were you like, this is obviously you had like a blip of a moment before the pandemic hit. So were you like physically going out and trying to network or like, what did this actually look like? Yeah, I was physically going out and networking okay. um, and making connections. Okay. But, like, I want to point out to the listeners, this is in Nashville. Like, it's not a fashion hub, but I remind people all the time that there are these little, and I say little, I don't mean that in a demeaning way, but, like, these really cool 
um, fashion communities everywhere. I have a um, one of our most successful students in our, our freelance program lives in St. Louis, Missouri, and a lot of her clients are local too. And it's like, that's not a fashion hub, but there's, and it sounds like that's what you found in, in Nashville too. Like, sure, there's not these like big name brands um, that everybody knows, but there's community, there's stuff going on. There is some type of industry. And it, so it sounds like you went out and you started to discover that. And like, what, what were your, you know, what'd you find? And like, were you surprised? Like, what did you think of, of what you were discovering? Uh, so, you know, I found, um, there are some manufacturers here, yeah. uh, which I, you know, us made that I thought that was really interesting. So we were connecting with, um, people that were manufacturing clothes. Um, and there was one, um, girl in particular, Crystal, who is, you know, she works with a lot of the music industry and okay. does a lot of like the, you know, the costumes and stuff for performances and yeah. stuff like that. And I'm like, yeah. Oh, of course that makes sense that that's there. Yeah. Um, so we were connecting with her and, um, yeah, I mean, it was all just very different from what I was used to. Yeah. Um, but I found a few clients, um, and they were actually not Nashville based, oh, um, but you know, they were from all over the world, Australia and New York and California. Yeah. But, uh, I, you know, I found those contacts and I, I just, it, it started with one client after another, you know? Yeah. How were you finding those people? Um, so some through Upwork. Oh, okay. Interesting. Um, yeah. I wasn't expecting that. I was like, let's try Upwork and yeah. people kept reaching out. So, um, I was responding in that way. And then I was also reaching out to people just, you know, if anybody had a job listing elsewhere, just to see if they would be interested in a freelance designer that was working remote. Like what that do you was mean kind of my approach elsewhere, um, so if, like if style careers like, or like yeah, like any um, Indeed style careers, okay. anything like that, so if like they the were looking hubs. for a designer. Yeah. Okay. yeah. okay. Did you have any luck with like saying, hey, I'm remote, would you entertain that idea? Yeah, but with one client. Oh, interesting. Um, okay. And they're based in California. Okay. And so but. it sounds like, was it just that you had the right match of experience and skills for what they were looking for that they were willing to do like I, it sounds like maybe they were looking for like a full-time in-house person and you were like, well, I can do remote freelance, um, kind of on my own terms. And they were open to that maybe just cause it was a good match. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Um, so I, my career is heavily based in intimates. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's very specialized from like a fit and design standpoint. Yeah. There's a lot of specialty that goes into that. Yeah. So that was kind of my foot in the door. Okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. So, and then did you find any Nashville clients from the like in-person networking you had been doing since you had moved? Yeah. Um, so that was always, every time I have a Nashville based client, it's always kind of a nice surprise. <laughs> um, but we've gotten, we have a handful now that yeah. are Nashville based. That's amazing. That's, it's really cool. Yeah. What did, um, and I know that, you know, times have changed where it's June, 2021 right now we're you know, mass mandates are starting to lift. We're hopefully on the tail end of this pandemic. Um, although who really knows, right? But yeah, um, you know, so I think the in-person networking is is um, currently a time of the past, but it'll come back. Um, so I'm curious to know, like, what did that look like? So you 
what were you doing? Were you like finding events? Were you going out? Like, what were you saying to people? Like, how were you kind of kickstarting some of these conversations? And um, what did that really look like? Because I know for a lot of people, the networking word um, is kind of like, uh, right? And it can feel a little intimidating or awkward. Like, what do I say? And I think for a lot of people, it can become this like, okay, I've got my business card in my pocket. And I'm going to pull it out. Hi, I'm a freelance designer. I can help you with your lingerie or your intimates. Like it, um, it can be a very awkward thing. So what did it look like for you? Uh, for me, um, I'm a huge introvert, um, (laughs) like massive. So it was, you know, that part really intimidates me a lot, but you know, what I do like to do is connect with people one-on-one. Um, so coffee dates for me was a lot better than, Ah. you know, the networking, the big networking events. Um, and maybe the big networking events are there, but I schedule coffee dates with people one-on-one. Um, you know, like that would be, and you know, it turned into zoom coffee dates Mm -hmm. and that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. But, um, I, I, I really like that approach. Um, and you know, we started building, most of the contacts I met here in Nashville from those events would be, you know, later we brought them in as, you know, they were sewing for us or they were, you know, we have uh, additional designers working on stuff now. So like, there's a lot of really talented people here. Yeah. Um, Wait, so that was amazing. Yeah. Okay. So you keep saying we, and like, you're like, I've got sewers and I got other people designing, like you have like a whole team. It sounds like. Oh yeah. It grew fast. <laughs> I was wow. shocked. I was shocked. Okay. Okay. I don't know what that was. I wasn't expecting it, but I went from freelance. um, And then in the summer of 2020, we changed it to like an actual business LLC. And we had, um, we were bringing people on. To like. Uh, To to work on different projects. Like subcontractors. Yeah. Yeah. Print design, design, uh, sewing. Um, even like financial, like, you know, business advice for our clients and everything. So it blew up. Yeah. Okay. So let's talk about this a little more in detail. So first, first of all, I want to know, like, where's your head at at this time? Because you went from working in corporate, feeling a sense of security with benefits and a salary to, um, like making a really scary leap after, you know, having this, I'm doing air quotes, like stability in your career, which I don't know. I kind of laugh at stability in a job because your job can literally be gone tomorrow. Um, Oh yeah. Yeah. (laughs) As a lot of people experienced it with the pandemic, but interestingly enough, as a freelancer, you're, you can build up diversification and you can always go out and get more work. Um, I think much more quickly than going out and finding a new job, but to each their own, I'm not here to sell freelancing. Um, So you, but you had very much gone from like, oh my gosh, like corporate is very secure. This is comfortable. This is what I know to moving to a different state, exploring a new career path that you were kind of like, I don't even know, like, can I really do this? Is this really going to work? You didn't really know people that had done it to like getting so big that you like, sounds like turned into an agency or I'm not sure like what model you call it, um, where you're then outsourcing workload and, you know, managing the projects on a high level and you've got other people doing design and stuff and, and perhaps you're still involved as well, but you're hiring subcontractors. Like where was your head at? And like, oh my gosh, in less than a year, you had a, you had a baby, 
did this and created this whole new lifestyle for yourself. So like, I'm curious to know, like, where was your head at in terms of what you had been able to create? And then how did that feel in comparison to seeing your son once in the morning and then not again until the weekends? Oh my gosh. I mean, um, honestly, my mind was blown. Um, I, I kind of realized that that security that I felt in corporate world was very false, um, mm. which I, I should have known. I've been through um, layoffs, big, major layoffs mm-hmm. at every single company that I worked <laughs> at. I, I saw it, yeah. the instability, but for some reason, freelance just felt more insta- like unstable, but yeah, yeah um, no, I, I think you can diversify. I think there's a lot of stability here. Um, and I'm seeing my son every single day. Um, I am with him all the time. Yeah. You know, it's, it's night and day. I I would never have dreamt of this life. Yeah. That's amazing. That sounds so amazing. Um, so how did you, like, what did you do? Or maybe you didn't really do anything, but like what happened that flipped the switch from, okay, I'm a solo freelancer doing, you know, projects to, oh my gosh, I'm going to turn this into like an LLC and I'm going to start subcontracting other workout, subcontracting other workout and hiring people. Like what happened? Cause a lot of people, um, I talked to freelancers who actually like have that vision of like, I want to grow into this agency model or I keep calling it that. Um, that's how I would kind of coin it. But you know, it might, they might like be like, okay, it's going to take a few years or I don't know. And like for you, it sounds like it happened so fast. So what did you do to accelerate that growth and get from, you know, the solo freelancer to like the full agency business owner? Um, you know, I wish I kind of knew, or (laughs) I wish there was a certain method. Um, I, I think, you know, in part, some of it came from 2020, um, oddly enough, I think there were a lot of people that had time on their hands that were like, I'm going to make my own brand. Mm-hmm. Like I'm finally going to make my dream come true. And, um, there was a lot of word of mouth, you know, from past clients to other clients, that kind of thing. But I honestly don't know. It just became like too much of a workload for me to handle. So we were like, Oh, okay, let's bring on another designer. Mm -hmm. And then, Oh, we need a print artist. Oh, Mm -hmm. we need, you know, and it just kind of snowballed. And I, I wasn't planning on it. I didn't even know that was a thing. Yeah. Like a, a fashion design agency that was never in my head. Yeah. It just kind of naturally took off like that. So this is amazing. Yeah. I wish I had more better, like better advice. Okay. Um, (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) Um, I mean, I have some inklings on, you know, what you were probably doing that helped it grow. Um, one of which is just doing a really exceptional job and going a little bit above and beyond for your clients, which, um, you know, I talk about this periodically and I did a poll recently on Instagram and it was kind of surprised that, um, I think it was around 50% of people did not realize that freelancers in general, not just in fashion, but freelancers in general have a reputation for being flaky. Mm. Um, that sounds, it sounds like you didn't know that either. No. Uh-uh. Oh, wow. This is so interesting to me because it's such, I guess I've hired a lot of freelancers over the year, uh, years. Um, in general, they have a reputation for being flaky and the majority of them actually are. It's pretty painful. 
Um, and so when people, when you find a good one, you're like, oh my gosh, this freelancer is amazing. And a good one is really just the person that like shows up, they do the work, they deliver on time, they pay attention to detail. You know, you don't have to like, okay, I put in the email to like make this edit and you didn't make this edit. Like you don't have to like triple check their work, just all these little things. Um, and to, to someone like you, you might be just be like, yeah, that's my job. That's like how I, that's how I work. Like this is, it's very normal for, for you. Um, but for a lot of people it's not quite that way. So my inkling is that you just showed up and you did a really, really good job, which to you is just how you do the job. Um, but for the brands was like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. And if they had, they had experience working for, with freelancers before, it perhaps was not super positive. Um, so can you talk a little bit about, um, and if you want to share numbers, I'm always open for that. I really love when people share numbers on the podcast, but I also don't want to get you in a corner and that may feel awkward. So it's up to you, but I'd love to talk a little bit about like pricing and like how you figured out your services. Um, and, and both from like when you first started as an independent solo freelancer, then to this like agency model, because now like you're managing the client, but then you're outsourcing parts of the work or, you know, they're on your team, however, subcontracting, however you want to call it. Um, are they, you don't have, are they employees you have or subcontractors? Subcontractors. Okay. Okay. Right. So, um, like how did you, what was the process for like figuring out how much to charge and then going from a solo freelancer to like, okay, well now I have other people that I'm kind of responsible for, you know, not, not an employee level, like you're not have to pay them benefits and stuff like that, but you know, technically they're freelancing for you. Um, you know, how did you figure out like logistically, like the business and financial side of that? Cause a lot of people get stuck on like, Oh my gosh, how much do I charge? And then to like, make sure I'm making enough money and then to make sure I'm making enough money when I'm also then outsourcing the work. Yeah. Um, so that was a big thing to work through and we've gone through a couple of models. Um, and I'm not even sure if we're completely set yet, but we're, you know, we've, we, I started out doing project based. Okay. Um, cause I thought, you know, somebody coming in from outside of the industry, they have no idea, um, like what they're getting themselves into or yeah. how, how much time it's going to take, how much energy. So I thought if I did project-based, that was a little bit easier for them to digest. Right. Um, you know, instead of like more of an unknown. Uh, and then, you know, I, that was kind of how I was managing that. And then I would, you know, subcontractors, I would be like, okay, I can pay you this much for this work. Okay. So to me, that was like, I can see that it'll work out. But what didn't end up working out about that model is changes and updates and people being indecisive. Oh, the client, like wanting revisions client, and stuff. Yeah. Okay. And so yeah. I was working so many more hours than what we were getting paid. <laughs> and, oh. and okay, so partly that's this is kind of where my my husband has more of a business sense um, than I do. I'm I like to be creative. I like to you know I don't care how many hours it takes as long as it's perfect. Okay. That's my head. So yeah. I'm like, whatever, I want this to be amazing. Yeah. Uh, so he stepped in and was helping me try to figure out that part. We ended up switching over to um, more of a retainer basis. Ah, okay. And that's worked out for us um, a little bit better. Okay. Um, it's, it's a little bit more accurate. We're getting, you know, 
paid for hours that we're actually working, which is always good. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but that is hard for me. I don't like, you know, that side of the business side. I'm not great at that. Okay. Um, I like being in the creative part okay. and kind of going for that wow factor yeah. with each client. Yeah. A creative who loves spreadsheets. You are my person. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so... Okay. So there was some learning curve when it comes to pricing and there always is like, people are like, well, how much do I charge? And, and I was like, I could advise you on every single invoice and every single proposal and every single project. And there would still be a learning curve. There would still be mistakes. Like you're still going to like figure it out. And it sounds like you're like, you're like, yeah, this is working for us now, but it might change in the future too. So I just want to emphasize, it sounds like for you and for everyone out there listening, like pricing is just a learning curve. It really just is. Yeah. And you just have to figure out what works for you and your clients really. So like how did, um, the transition from project to retainer go with some of your clients? Cause I know people who are interested in retainer. And so for people out there listening, a retainer is basically like the client will pay you a flat rate, typically a monthly, a flat monthly rate. And you do like X amount of work for them. It might be like, um, X amount of hours, but you're kind of like guaranteed the work or it could be, um, like more structure, like project based, like, okay, we're going to, you know, on average, and this is more cut and dry than I think many fashion businesses run, but like on average, we're going to do five designs and five tech packs a month. And I'll just take care of that work for you. And it's going to be a flat rate of this every month. Um, but retainers kind of essentially that, instead of like billing per hour or per project and like billing and invoicing and doing proposals every time. So, um, what was the conversation like for you with your clients to transition from project to retainer? How'd that go? Um, so it, you know, it wasn't bad. I was expecting a lot of, um, you know, unease and, and, and worry about it. And I honestly, nobody really, they were like, okay, sounds good. I didn't lose any clients. I was expecting to lose some just because they're so used to the the project based. And, um, I think we were lucky in that way that we have clients that really, you know, they want to work with us. They're fine with it. Yeah. So no, no pushback. That's Um, amazing. And I found that like, again, when you're, when you do a good job at your job, like I know you do, um, those conversations, they can feel really scary, but they typically, like people are like, who are raising their rates and stuff. Like if it's warranted and it's fair, then those conversations can typically go really, really well. And there's not a lot of kickback and people understand they're like, yeah, that's, that's good. You know, we can make that work. Yeah. I think that, that always, I'm always surprised. Yeah. I'm always expecting, you know, fallout and, and things to happen, but it, it'll all work out. Yeah. So, and I imagine, have some of these clients been with you from like the very beginning when you were working with them one-on-one as a solo freelancer? Yeah. Yeah. So since then, I imagine the prices have gone up as well. Is that correct? They have. Yeah, correct. Okay. So you've Um, had a lot of pricing conversations. (laughs) We have. Yeah. Um, And that's, uh, yeah, I had no idea what to price myself at. And I realized in a short amount of time that I was really underselling my pricing. Okay. Um, So that was an interesting transition, but yeah, it, it went okay. And they're still with you. They're still with me. Yeah. So now when it comes to this, this agency model, do the brands know 
that you have subcontractors working on their project and then you're just the one that manages it and does all the communication or like, how does that work? Uh, so actually, um, my, my husband again has the more of the business sense. He has the, uh, he's become the project manager. So he has a lot of those conversations up front and kind of filters them so that I can be working, um, on projects in a more, um, focused way. Okay. So now he's kind of come in as the media, uh, you know, between me and the client. Okay. And he's been just, you know, setting up work. What do you need done? And then he, you know, puts it on my calendar and I work on things. Um, and you know, for the subcontractors, it's the same way. He kind of, um, you know, talks to clients, sees what needs to be done. And he, you know, puts, um, we'll kind of distribute it. We'll talk about it. Uh Um, cause I'll see different people's talents and we'll kind of, you know, hand things off to different people, but. Okay. And yeah, it's an interesting model. Sorry. We're, we're very, uh, we're trying to figure it out still. No, I love this. So is he still working in finance or is he working in, in your business full time? Uh, he's still working finance. Okay. Um, he's just project managing for, okay. So, gotcha. Yeah. For us. Yeah. And did he just like know just enough about the fashion industry from, from having been with you to be able to like manage the projects and talk to the clients and understand like what questions to ask about what they needed done? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> it's so funny. And this like small amount of time he's become, uh, a great resource now for small brands. Uh, cause he knows he's learned so much, yeah. like just from conversations with me all the time, yeah. um, about how things work and how they, you know, what's going on. So it is, it is pretty funny. Yeah. Oh my gosh. This is such a, every, every sentence I'm like, Oh wait, you guys are doing that. Your husband's working for you. This is so <laughs> no, cool. Sorry. Yeah, no, 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 it's okay. <sighs> so, um, and then where did you find, um, cause I want to, I want to point out to people listening too, um, there is opportunity. There's so much opportunity for freelancing. And I do think, like you said, the pandemic, you think actually kind of helped your business grow. And, um, we've seen, I've seen firsthand that there is more freelance opportunity since the pandemic for many reasons. One of which you stated, um, in that people had some more time. So they're like, I'm going to explore doing my own brand. Um, but, there's also opportunity for freelancers to work for someone like you. Like they don't even have to work directly with the client, but there's so many small companies out there who are helping startups with anything from, you know, design through bulk production and development, um, that there's opportunity for them to freelance for those companies, not directly for the client, which is essentially, you know, these subcontractors that you've, hired out. So who are these people that you've now outsourced to and that are freelancing for you? Like, where'd you find them and how'd you figure out the arrangement with them? Uh, so we connected with a couple of the colleges here, local to Nashville, Mm -hmm. um, and Belmont has like a fashion design, um, you know, course. And so one of the teachers, we, you know, we kind of reached out to the administration and, um, through word of mouth and got some recommendations for people who would, you know, if they want some freelance business, we're here. Yeah. Um, for, you know, and if they, they suddenly don't have time in their schedule, that's fine too. So like it was very, um, we try to keep it very easy for everybody that we subcontract to. Okay. Um, you know, there's no stress for them if they can, 
you know, work on a job or not, just let us know. Um, and I mean, we've met some really talented people. That's so cool. Through that. Yeah. So that's so cool. And then are you just paying them like hourly? Yeah. For the most part, or we'll, we'll discuss it, um, beforehand, but yeah. That is so cool. Um, and I love too, that like you're giving this opportunity to people in school because it can be really hard, especially during the pandemic right now to kickstart your career and get that first like set of experience. Uh, yeah. And that's hard. What I would love to see in the future for us is, um, cause I think for that to really let when you're fresh out of school, I think you kind of need to be in the same room with somebody who's working mm-hmm. and to just be able to kind of pour into somebody like, Oh, this is, you know, take on this project mm-hmm. and then kind of like help them through it. Yeah. I think that's my ideal for the future, especially as we come out of the pandemic and we're able to be together again. Once we can like hang out with people. Yeah. I would, yeah. I would love to do something like that. I think that would be amazing. Yeah. But you've managed to do it remotely. A little bit. Yeah. But I think it could be a lot better and bigger. Okay. With some in-person time. Yeah. Okay. Um, and then <clears throat> can I just ask like, and you can just give a ballpark or, you know, you can talk about this however you would like, but if we look at your corporate salary, you're working, I mean, honestly, you're probably working like 60 hours a week at least. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> right. And you're getting paid X salary, right? Yeah. Um, in relation, as a freelancer and as a, a now a business owner, a fashion design agency business owner, um, like dollar for dollar, hour for hour, how is, does your compensation compare? Uh, so... Um, it's hard for me to think hourly. I think like more like yearly. Okay. Or yeah, however you want if to look that at helps. it. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know why. That's just my, I think from being corporate. Yeah. Um, but so I'm making about 10 grand less a year, Okay. but I'm also living in a space that is, um, up, you know, at New York prices compared to Nashville yeah. are very different. Yes. Very so different. So overall my, my salary has gone up if that makes sense yeah. It's a, or stabilized at least. Yeah. Um, so and are you working 60 hours a week? No. Yeah. I mean, you're no. with your son. Is your son in any type of daycare or anything? Or do you have him full-time? No, not yet. I have him full-time. I'm trying to uh, relinquish that at some point because yeah. I think it would be good for him socially. But yeah. uh, right now he's just with me. Okay. So not working 60 hours a week. I mean, so you've got to be working like part-time, at, like high part-time at best is, would be my guess. I don't know. Maybe you stay up really late and you get up really early and you're like, you, you're really, Yeah, there's a lot of that. A lot of that. <laughs> okay. Okay. But not 60 hours a week living in a much lower cost of living area, like a much lower. I mean, Nashville's got to be like yeah. 30% of what New York was, oh, 20%. Yeah. 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 Um, and I mean, your enjoyment of like life sounds like it's got to <laughs> be so much higher. Oh yeah. Um, the corporate world is hard, especially the further up you go. It seems like things just get more political and very, Mm. it's hard. It's stressful. Yeah. It's very stressful. Um, and freelance, you just don't get that. You get to choose who you work with, right. And how things go and how you want to be treated. So that's, that was huge for me too. Yeah. So 
not only are you like, so in my book, you're like making a lot more money. Um, but however you want to dice it, um, you're, you're doing very comfortably well. I think we could very easily put that label on it. Um, and, and then getting to, on top of that, getting to be in the, this position of like getting to choose and what clients you want to work with and how you get to be treated versus like in corporate where you're like, well, this is it. Like you're, this is your one job. These are your one coworkers. This is your boss. Like these are, this is it. You don't really have that option to, you know, let's say like fire a client or something. Like how does it feel to be in that position of like getting to really be in control of your situation? Uh, that's probably one of the best parts of everything. Um, it's night and day with the, you know, the things that I had to go through in corporate was just kind of, Ah, ridiculous, honestly. So yeah. this was a breath of fresh air. Yeah. <laughs> it felt really nice. Yeah. Have you, like, I mean, you made the comment of, like, getting to choose who you get to work with and stuff in your clients. Um, have you, you know, had to kind of, like, kill projects or, like, fire clients because you're like, this is just not working for me and I'm, I'm, I'm not going to do this? Oh, yeah. You have, for sure. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. I don't, I don't, you know, um... And it's rare. Honestly, yeah. it's rare. Yeah. Most clients are amazing. They're yeah. amazing people. They they want to bring some dream to life. And that's also kind of the difference between corporate and, you know, now I'm working with small businesses is it's very personal. Yeah. Um, and I, I love that part of it. There's so much heart in all of these smaller brands that are starting up. Yeah. Um, and they're the intentions of, you know, the clients are amazing. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's usually comes from some kind of like, you know, personal frustration. They want to bring something that's, you know, going to make people's lives better. Yeah. And I, I don't know, there's just so much, there's such a fulfillment there. Are you mostly working with small independent startups who are, are like kickstarting their own thing? Yeah. Okay. And what are you finding... I mean, you just shared some of your, you know, salary information and it sounds very, very healthy. Um, but there's like a big stereotype out there for like brands being cheap. And then, you know, on top of that, like startups, like not having any money and like, oh, it's this like person in their basement that like has this idea and they're like, oh yeah, I have like $5 for a tech pack. Um, which is like a big stereotype that happens on Upwork. And I think can be true like that, that those people do exist for sure, but it does, you're not experiencing that so much, or maybe you have had conversations with clients where that was the case. And then you're like, you know what, this isn't, isn't a great match for us. Um, but like, what has your experience been with these types of brands and like their finances and their ability to, you know, pay what is a fair price, which it costs money to do this stuff, right? Yeah. It's a lot of time and energy going into all of this and, you know, fabrics and trims and manufacturing. It's a lot. So we have that conversation right at the beginning. Okay. I mean, because I, I filter, I'm trying to scare them off, to yeah. be honest, Yeah. because I want them to know what they're getting into. I, I've had people come to me saying, I've got my life savings. Um, it's not a lot, but I want to build this brand. I've, I'm going to pour everything into it. Okay. And if it doesn't work out, I'm, you know, Sounds and like I basically, like, don't do it. No, don't do that's it. That's a lot of pressure. <laughs> if that's, yeah. Cause, um, it's hard. This industry is rough um, mm-hmm. and it's, you know, it's hard to survive. Like don't pour, like if this is 
Ollie that you have, yeah. don't do it yeah. because the return might not be there. It's hard to tell. Um, so I do try to kind of scare people off. I want them to know what's what to expect because okay. it's um, you've got to be hardy um, to be able to make it. Yeah, for sure. As a small brand, and I think a lot of them are going to do amazing. Yeah. Um, it just can't be, you know. I just want them to know what to expect. Yeah. I appreciate that you do that because it could, you know, no matter where their money is coming from, it can feel very easy as a business to just be like, okay, well, if you want to do this and you want to pay me, then I'll do it. Right. But if it's not like really in their best interest, um, or, you know, maybe you can't even put it that way. It's more like you at least need to educate them about the realities of what this is going to take and but financially and time wise and what the return may or may not be. Um, and if you've done that, then you're doing a really great job and, and then it's up to them. Like they're an adult, they can make the decision, right? Yeah. That's where I'm at with it. We do the warning. We, we do our whole spiel. Um, this is what to expect. Um, and then we kind of, you know, cause yeah, we're not, we're not God. We don't know, (laughs) but like for the most part, I, I, you know, it takes a lot for me to turn somebody away if I'm like really like, no, they should not be doing this, but it happens periodically. Yeah. So the brands that you are working with, like where are they getting their funding? Um, so I think some have been working with investors. Okay. Um, some of them, um, they just, you know, they, they have some cash. It's not like their life savings. Mm -hmm. This isn't everything, but they are, um, you know, pouring, uh, part of their income into, building this, this brand that they've been dreaming about. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Gotcha. Um, but it doesn't sound like you've had too much of the, and I'm doing like an air quote stereotypical, like cheap brand or cheap person. That's like, Oh, well, like it shouldn't cost that much. Like, can you just do it for like, I say $5, like that's a little drastic, but there are people on like Upwork that like are like literally think a tech pack should be $5. Um, Oh yeah. Like, do you have a lot of those people that you're like, yeah, no, that's not the price. <laughs> oh yeah. I mean, I guess we get those almost daily, honestly. Oh, okay. And we're like, no, nah. like, but you know what, usually what has happened is that person will go to somebody else who's a lot cheaper Yeah. and then end up coming back to us. Cause they, the cheap person did such a bad job. Yeah. That yeah. happens. That ha- That's happened a lot. I've heard so, that story so uh, many times. It's very common. That, yeah. Yeah. Very much. And so those people, they say that you, they come to you, you get these inquiries like almost daily. Like, are they coming off of Upwork? Are they finding your website? Like where are they referrals? Like where are these people continuing to like these new leads, where do they continue to come from? Um, all of the above. Okay. <laughs> and okay. Then sometimes we don't know. Oh. I, I'll get people and I'm like, I, I have no idea how they heard about me. You don't ask reaching them? out. <laughs> I don't know. Oh my gosh. <laughs> wow. But but a lot of it's, you know, the standard, what we've been doing too. And again, my husband's kind of filtering a lot of that now. So I'm not in the drudges of that. Okay. Okay. Um, But because it's become so, you know, common for us. So it's, you know, hearing these. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. This is so cool, Lori. I mean, I really, like I knew a little bit about, um, your experience in corporate, just before we did this interview, I, I, I don't know you personally and, and, you know, you reached out to me on the podcast and you shared like a two, two minute blip of your story, but I really had no idea the extent of what you had built. It's really phenomenal. 
<laughs> Thanks. Yeah. It's, I feel like most of it's just, um, we work hard, we work all the time, but I, I don't know where most of it came from. And I just feel really, I don't know, blessed to be where we are right now. Yeah. But I mean, you, the other thing too, I think is really important to point out is, and I know not everybody's in a position to do this. So, you know, I, I, I have to be mindful when I say this, but like you took a scary jump and a leap of faith to be like, okay, well, I'm going to do this and I'm going to figure it out. And you did figure it out and you did make it happen. And when I look back on my career, all the decisions I've made that have like been some of the pivotal moments in my life have come from like, okay, I'm going to like jump and the net will appear. And yeah. Right. And I know like financially not everybody can be in that position. And so I say it with, again, like I say it very sensitively of like, I know not everybody can just like quit their job and like move across the country. Um, but sometimes I think there's something to be said for like doing the thing that really scares you. Not sometimes there's always something to be said for like doing the thing that really scares you. And maybe it's not the, it doesn't have to be attached to the finances. Cause if you're not in a position to do that, then that's fine. Um, but like, what is the thing that you can do to push towards that other life that you want because the current one is not working for you, which is very much where you were. Right. Yeah. 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 There's something to be said for those times in life when things look really bleak and hard. Yeah. Um, and kind of not being able to imagine what life really could be. Yeah. Um, and I, it's just a bunch of small steps too. Yeah. It doesn't have to be a big one. It can be True. a bunch of small conversations and steps that you take. True. Um, but I think that frustration can lead to something really powerful. Yeah. So I never asked this question. It almost, it's like the question, the, the question that everybody asks at the end of many podcast interviews, but I never asked this, but I'm really curious to know for your story for some reason, like it was, let's say about two years ago that you, you had just had your son, you went back from maternity leave. You were like, I'm going to quit. I can't do this. It's not working. Um, and then moved to Nashville. So just about two years ago that like you were going to work every day and seeing your son for like an hour in the morning. That was it. Um, you made the decision pretty quickly. Um, and like really jumped on this new life opportunity that you weren't even sure what the opportunity was, but you're like, I'm going to create it. Um, like what, if you could look back on that, Lori, the corporate Lori, like, what would you tell her now? (laughs) Um, quit. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Uh, it doesn't have to be like this. And, you know, I think I went through so many years of just trying to like make that work. Um, but I mean, honestly, during that time too, another, you know, thing I would have told myself is to just like glean as much as you can, which I, I think I was doing already. I was trying to learn as much as I could from all the talented people around me. Okay. Um, and I didn't, you know, have a end use. I was just curious. Yeah. Um, but that ended up paying off in a really big way later. Cause I'm like, Oh, I know how to do that. I watched, it wasn't part of my job, but I watched people do it all the time yeah. and I was curious about it. So, yeah. um, I think that's, that's part of it too. I think that's totally part of it. And I, I've talked about this before on the podcast, um, where, oh, let's see how I can say this without being too verbose. Cause I'm good at that. But <laughs> we're like, when you're truly so passionate and into something, 
you really, your mind really should be super curious. You should be, and I say should, I hate to say that, but like you should be wanting to, like you said, asking the questions and interested in how this process works and why is that doing that or why do you do it that way or like what would, what if you did it this way or like all those questions. Um, and that's where then your mind will just explode with the knowledge and the learning, but it should really come kind of naturally. Um, and if you're, if it's not really doing that, then I start to question, like, are you doing, is this really the right path for you? Right. Um, yeah. Like if you're not out there, like really trying to learn everything you can because you think it's fun and you're excited and you're interested in it, which it sounds like you are, then, you know, maybe fashion isn't the right place. And that's okay too. It's great to discover what's not right for you as well. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. That was a random tangent, but I'm pretty sure I think in an episode with, oh, we'll have to link it in the show notes with Layla Jalili. Um, we talked pretty extensively about just the creative mind and working in fashion and that sort of thing. So for anyone that's interested in to hear more about that, um, don't mind my really random tangent. Uh, but yeah, so you've just grown, you've done the work, you've worked really hard. You've taken like the leaps of faith. You've gone out there and like done the scary thing. That's like uncomfortable. Like having the price raising conversation. I think a lot of people could be like, oh, well, this is the price I'm charging them. And they'll sit there in that price for like a year or two and like not raise it because they're terrified of that conversation. Um, but you've just continued to push and do the thing and it's worked out. Yeah. It's the reason you are where you are today. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So that's so cool. I'm so excited for you, Lori. This was a really amazing to get to hear your story. Um, I will now end with the question that I do ask everybody at the end of the podcast, even though I threw you that curveball. Um, what is one thing people never ask you about being a fashion freelancer that you wish they would? Um, I think it's how fulfilling is it? Oh, Yeah. I never get asked that. I never, it's always like, well, are you making money? Mm. I don't think it's about that. I don't think that should be the focus. Yeah. And I think if it is, it's, you're going to get kind of um, pulled down a little bit, yeah. but um, you have to kind of look at overall your life and how much better is it now than it was before and kind of count um, your well-being overall Yeah. Um, instead of just salary. Yeah. I mean, you know, listen, we all need money to to live, so it's important, but um, you're right. It's definitely not everything, Um, and it sounds like from what you've shared in the last hour that we've chatted that it has been very, very fulfilling. Yeah, I think that's the most important part. Yeah. Oh, I love that. I'm so excited for you. Um, You, I'm sure, have even more tremendous growth ahead of you, and who knows what this will morph into Um, We never know what it's going to grow into until we actually just start doing the thing and one step leads to the next step. And then next thing you know, you have a design agency and who knows what'll be next year. Yeah. Um, I'm excited to see. Yeah. Do you have any like specific plans or thoughts about like what, how you might want to continue to grow this or what you might want to create? Um, not, not really, to be honest, it's always kind of one step at a time. The only thing that I I see that I really want to get into is working closer with, um, you know, some of the students and, you know, people that are just coming into the industry, I think that would be 
really fulfilling. Okay, very cool. And so I don't want to like pitch any opportunities, but if there are students out there listening who might be interested in working with you, could they reach out? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, very cool. So on that note, where do people um, find and connect with you online? Um, So mm, good question. I mean, usually just email, I would think, would be the best. Okay. Um, So you can reach out to Lori at musiccity.com. Okay. Oh, sorry, musiccityfashiondesign.com. I I was like, you own musiccity.com? That's crazy. (laughs) (laughs) Music City Fashion. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So they can obviously go to the website too and get some more information. Yeah, you can go to the website as well. Awesome. Well, this is amazing, Lori. Congrats. I'm so excited that you've created this amazing life for yourself and you get time with your beautiful son and your family and you get to um, have a life that has a little more freedom, flexibility, and is more fulfilling. So that's really amazing. I'm so excited and can't wait to hear where the journey continues to grow. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening. Um, I really hope you loved that interview with Lori. I had such a blast talking with her. As I mentioned a couple times during the interview, I did not know the full extent of her story, but it's such an amazing and inspiring journey. And you guys, these opportunities, this life is out there for you. You have to make it possible. As Lori and I talked about, you have to take the leap of faith. You have to do the scary thing. Um, in whatever capacity works for you. Like I know the financial scary thing is not always an option, but push yourself, do the thing. There is so much freelance work out there. There are brands that need your help. They are so excited when they find a good freelancer who can help them with their idea and their dream. It is really a fulfilling and amazing ecosystem for you and the brand. Um, so much great things come from from this freelancing community and I am hoping that I'm inspiring you to grow and build and kick ass in your freelance career um, because the it's really really such an amazing life so enough heart sappy talk um, I'm gonna go get Errol up now that I'm wrapped up with this interview Um, If you want more resources, Errol, my son, if you want more resources on freelancing, um, go ahead and check out the link in the show notes to my free resources page, soheidi.com slash freelance. And any other resources um, that that we mentioned in the show, you can check out there as well. Thank you so much for listening, you guys. This podcast would not be here without you listening. All the amazing reviews you leave on Apple Podcasts. If you haven't left one, hint, hint. I always love getting those and they help the podcast grow. Um, And always thank you to my right hand. Amazing, kick-ass I like don't even know what to call her because she does everything in the business. She's like a mirror of me and really helps out on so many levels. Um, but Tara, thank you so much for coordinating and managing the podcast. And thank you to my husband, Mark, who does all of the editing. And yeah, my little 16-month-old Errol, I'm going to go get him out of bed now. So thank you for listening. I appreciate you guys. And I'll talk to you in the next episode. Bye. Bye.